0: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: It's the Flames game day here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flames in the Minnesota Wild. 6 o'clock puck drop. 5 o'clock Flames roll up with the one and only Pat Steinberg here on Sportsnet 960. Derek Wills and Megan Nicholson have the call tonight. No Chris Tanev. He's back in Calgary dealing with that upper body injury suffered. Against the Colorado Avalanche. No word yet on who gets the start for the flames. We'll have more on this game as the afternoon rolls on. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basementy. Visit DL Basement Systems. Com. Adnan Verk and Game Day Audio in Hour 1. If you missed any of it, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher would love to have you along for the ride. Kicking off Hour 2, going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest Hotline welcoming our pal Bic Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver because it's a special night for a former member of the Vancouver Canucks. He goes into the Ring of Honor. It's Roberto Luongo night as the Canucks take on the Panthers from vancouver bick uh, happy thursday man how are you
2: happy thursday man always good always good glad to be here
1: good to hear man uh excitement level roberto luongo going to the ring of honor in vancouver what's the buzz like ahead of tonight's matchup man
2: yeah you know just from from fans they are pumped up because he was uh you know one of many fans favorite players during a, a very pivotal era for the canucks I'm like, i like i know so many friends and family who you know clamoring to get tickets and you know, they've messaged me, like, I'm coming to tonight's game, my favorite player to ever to watch, and it's it's going to be a buzz. And, you know, we've had so many of these nights here recently. You know, Burroughs had his night, the Twins had their night, uh, Kevin BX has had a night, and uh, this is just another one in the line of a, a fantastic team that ultimately did, like, didn't get the prize, but certainly uh, holds a fantastic place in a lot of people's hearts.
1: Was there ever a question of whether this kind of night would come? It felt like for a while Luongo's relationship with the Canucks was – at best maybe strained, but has time healed all wounds? Has there been an effort on either side to make a night like tonight happen in your mind, Bick?
2: I, I think logic would always prevail that, you know, a, a player of this magnitude and, and of this caliber would always get his send-off. I, I think the, the night in question, which is, you know, a debate that's been raging for fans uh, since he retired, it was retiring or Ring of Honor, right? And I, I think that's the debate that's gone on. And number one, obviously not, not being retired. It's, it's, his name's going up to the Ring of Honor, which is still a tremendous honor. Something that he mentioned even last year uh, after the Hall of Fame was like it's it's you know, he's not interested in the debate. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, there, there's been, you know, the exit wasn't the cleanest and everything like that. But, you know, given the way he handled it and, you know, showcased his personality uh, over the latter half of his career here. I think it was ultimately always going to come to some sort of celebration. It just ends up being a ring of honor.
1: What do you think of when you think of Roberto Luongo and his time in Vancouver? What's the first thing that comes into your mind?
2: The the belief, you know, really like I've, I've been asking players with this on the show too, and and every one of them says the belief that you're going to win. And I think for fans – that extended so much because there was a you know, goalie graveyard in between like, the post-Kartwell Clan era up until Luongo, and, and there were some players and some goalies who you know, had a nice claim to it, but you know, they churned through a lot of goalies in that era. And up until like, Roberto Luongo arrives suddenly it was like, oh, wow, you can actually win every game. And it made tuning into Canucks games that much more exciting because you know, I'm sure every fan wants to believe, like, hey, tonight, we have a chance to win, even if the teams weren't at their best. And I was just looking at some numbers here recently. Like he, in the post-Cap era, he had a shutout streak of 242 minutes, and it was only bested since then by Varlamov in 2021 and Brizgalov in 2012. It's it's it 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 felt like every time you tuned in, it was just gonna be so tough for the for the for the opposition to get two goals. And there there's moments throughout it that stand out for me. Um, you know, obviously, you know, against Dallas and against Anaheim when he first arrived, those, those playoff series. Um, but, but the save I always think of when I think of Roberto Luongo, there's two that always stand out for me. Um, the save he makes in overtime against Patrick Sharp in Game 7 that ultimately leads to Alex Burrow scoring the goal. And, you know, the, the, that moment is, you know, so high in so many Canucks fans' memories, but it, it doesn't even happen without Luongo making a save uh, on Patrick Sharp. And then the other one is Team Canada, you know the save in in against Demetra, and it's just like those two moments. And, and that moment for that goalie who represents in that arena, who plays for the Canucks, in that moment is it's just unbelievable. Um, that like those are the two moments that always stand out for me.
1: Do the negatives still come into the conversation whenever you talk about Roberto Luongo? And I, I mean that in the sense of. When he left the organization, it, it wasn't always clear as to how things ended. And, of course, we all remember the the Heritage Classic moment and him not mm. being in that game. Like, Is that still part of the conversation when you think about his legacy in Vancouver?
2: I, I think it's part of the conversation, but I, I think it's just dismissive to not like recognize that this player is one of the best players to ever play here. Um, and I think people use it in the conversation – of, oh, that's why he should be in the Ring of Honor, or that's why he, sh-, like, he shouldn't get his jersey retired. I don't know if anyone is saying that he shouldn't be recognized. Um, and so when we talk about these moments and, like, my contract sucked and you know the the, the, the drama that, that was there, and I use that term in quotation marks, yeah. um, it, it's it, it's more about, like, the argument of, should he get Ring of Honor or should he get his jersey retired? I, I don't think I've heard it earnestly used in the idea of, like, of, there, there shouldn't be a night for Roberto Longo.
1: Uh, let's bring up that question because it's one we have here in Calgary too. Because the late great uh, Ken King uh, introduced a program here in Calgary called Forever a Flame, and it's it's very similar to a Ring of Honor type of thing, but it's not an official jersey retirement in the same sense. Does that difference matter to you? Like, should it matter to people when talking about how you honor a player in an organization?
2: Uh, so I think you're asking the wrong person here because I'm anti jersey retirement anyways. Uh, I, I think I think it means really? more to just like, yeah. I think I think it's way cooler if it, if you uphold the legacy of a number, right? So if if somebody else gets to wear 22 or 33, fans are always going to get say like, hey, you, you get the honor of wearing a, a Daniel or Henrik Sedin, but you better live up to that legacy now too. Um, and so I think ch- like spanning the the number through generations to me, I think has more meaning than it does just putting up the retired number because, you know, for for a generation of fans like myself, like I never got to see Stan, Stan Smeal play. And so I never get to see 12 on the ice. And I, I, I just feel the message doesn't get spread across the generations as well than just saying, oh yeah, like this number was retired for so long ago. So I, you know, for me, I, I come from a little bit of a soccer background. That's how it's done. It's always made more sense to me. Uh, but as far as like the debate that's raised on here, people are, I I think people have a lot of emotion, a lot of passion for this one, because I think a lot of people think it should be retired. Living in the reality of jerseys that are retired, I I, I don't see why River Luongo's number isn't retired. He's got the same claim to it as Pavel Bure. Pavel Bure's number is up in the rafters. You know, he he finished second in a Hart Trophy race as a goalie, which is unbelievable here in Vancouver. He was back stopping them. You know, one win away from a Stanley Cup. Uh, He he had such fantastic years. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He won the gold medal in your rink. He played just as many games as Pavel Bure uh, here in Vancouver. Bure had 428. Uh, Luongo had 448 as a goalie. Uh, He's made the exact same impact. Didn't leave on the best terms either, but Bure got his number retired. It's the exact same argument. I I don't understand why it's it's not going in the rafters. Uh,
1: Greatest goalie in Canucks history?
2: I, uh, yeah, I, again, I, I'm biased because it's, it's of my generation. Of course. Um, but, cer- but certainly there's there's going to be some goalies here that, you know, a lot of fans say, you know, Kirk McLean had a fantastic impact. I, I'm just looking at pure talent and everything like that. Like it's, it's amazing what he did here at Vancouver. Uh, I'll take it
1: one step further. Hall of Fame career.
2: Was Roberto Long a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Well, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm hard pressed to like look at the numbers and not say like this guy isn't a Hall of Famer. He's he, he's such a dominant goalie. Like, like some of the numbers like don't even make sense, especially in this era now when you look at it. Um, like 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 the, like the shutout streak I was just mentioning. Um, I, I I can't even picture like a goalie nowadays going three games with with a shutout, let alone two games with a, uh, a consecutive shutout streak. It's it's just it's amazing like. How we played in the post-cap era when we, we came in with all the power plays and all those goals that here this guy was just like thriving and and just the volume of shots and the amount of starts he had like he he started seventy three games one season it's incredible uh, to think about that nowadays uh, I, he he just he, he strikes me as like a a goalie like the last of a goalie generation that we may not see anymore like there's fantastic goalies now obviously yeah. like Shosturkin Sorokin but I think we view the position differently and gone are the days of the, like the 68 workhorse, workhorse goalie. Uh, I feel like he's kind of the last one.
1: And I do want to clarify, I asked that in the sense that I know he's in the hall of fame and just, there's been such a debate around, it feels like every time Liberto Luongo gets honored, there seems to be some sort of, of conversation around it. For me, it was easy Hall of Famer, a thousand career games, uh-huh. uh, the international career, the numbers that he put up, and you're right. We had a, a workhorse here in Calgary like that for years with Kiprashov. That was at the you know 60, sometimes 70 plus game era, and that just doesn't happen anymore. But it was just curious uh-huh. because there's people that you know have had the conversation. Well, he never won a Vesna. Well, he never won a Stanley Cup. But uh-huh. I don't know that that ever took away from, or that you can use that as a reason to look at Roberto Luongo and think he's not worthy of any of these distinctions.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. When you start doing that stuff, then like you open the door to all these other, you know, goalies who are, are very good in their own right. But you know, it, it's it's such a weird position to grade on the idea of like, oh, you never won a Stanley Cup and all that sort of stuff, um, because you know, there's so much more to it. It's, all, it's, well, like it's a, a team thing, right? Goal, it's not like right? he could win it himself. Yeah, yeah like and, and, like in the, in the Cup final, like the Canucks scored eight goals in that series. It went seven games. They scored eight goals and. Like, they were that close to it. I know he gets some of the blame, too, which is <laughs> fair, but he can't score the goals for. Him.
1: No. Uh, what's it uh, – what does it look like tonight, Big? Do they have the – I don't know what the Ring of Honor looks Is it uh, in arena? Is it on, like, the basis between the two levels? What does it look like tonight from a it's, presentation standpoint?
2: Yeah, it's above the, the, the entire ring, basically. Uh, so, it, it's above, like, the executive suites. It's, like, the 500 level. So, it'll go up there. Uh, host name's already up there. Um, it, it, I think it's going to be a pretty special night. Uh, They've they usually hit the right tone on these, uh, and they'd be interested to see him speak. And he's always done quite well, uh, and I, I think it'll touch all the notes for Canucks fans. Uh,
1: looking forward to it, Big Appreciate you hopping on. I know it's a busy day for you guys out there. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the ceremony uh, honoring Roberto Luongo, pal. Thanks, pal. Talk to appreciate it, Vic Nazar joining us from Sportsnet 6:50 in Vancouver. On Roberto Luongo night in Vancouver, it's the Panthers and the Canucks at 8 o'clock tonight. The late start on Sportsnet Pacific as he will join the Ring of Honor in Vancouver. Not a jersey retirement as we dove into with Bick. They have a uh, different set of, of rules, I guess, similar like we talked about with the Forever a flame thing. They've retired some numbers. They've put others like Pat Quinn and Matthias Oland and Alex Burroughs in their Ring of Honor, but not... Uh, a jersey retirement situation. So um, you can feel about that how you want to. Uh, either way, they will honor uh, Roberto Luongo tonight as part of eight games on the NHL schedule, including, of course, the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. That's our six o'clock start. That's what we're focused in on here on Sportsnet 960. No Chris Tanev again for the Calgary Flames tonight. He's back in Calgary, still dealing with that upper body injury uh, that he suffered against the Colorado Avalanche. So Flames without Tanev once again for this game against Minnesota, Uh, although the Wild are dealing with a couple of injuries themselves. Sounds like they might be without Jonas Brodine and Jared Spurgeon for tonight's matchup against Calgary. Keep it locked on Flames uh, Radio. Pat Steinberg will have Flames warm up at 5. He'll be able to give you all the details on lineups, deep pairings, starting goaltenders for both teams, uh, as we're uh, still not sure if we're going to see Dustin Wolf or Dan Vladar in goal tonight for the Calgary Flames. Again, mentioned busy night across the NHL. 5 o'clock start in Toronto. Blue Jackets and Maple Leafs. Uh, you've also got the Capitals and the Flyers. Surprising uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are off to a pretty good start this season. They're 15, 10, and 3. Currently third in the Metropolitan Division. Red Wings and Hurricanes go from Detroit at 5.30. Uh, and then the other 6 o'clock start is the Blues and the Ottawa Senators. St. Louis's first game since they fired head coach Craig Berube. So we'll see if they get a little bit of a coaching bump there in St. Louis. Tough year for them, 13-14-1, and one. currently sitting at 6th in the Central Division. Then at 7 o'clock up the road in Edmonton, it's Calgary's next opponent, the Tampa Bay Lightning, taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Tampa will be in Calgary Saturday night for Hockey Night in Canada, and that's an 8 o'clock start at the Dome. Mentioned Panthers and Canucks. And then uh, your last game tonight in Seattle, it's the Kraken and the Chicago Blackhawks. So busy night across the NHL, uh, eight games in total. And again, first game for the St. Louis Blues since they fired Craig Berube, uh, interim head coach, um, in there for now. We'll see what that means going forward. Some interesting audio out of St. Louis today, too. Uh, Jordan Cairo with some pretty pointed things to say, or what he didn't say, I should say. Uh, about his uh, former head coach. He was asked about uh, his relationship with ex-head coach Craig Berube, uh, Jeremy Rutherford of the, Athletic, of the Athletic, asking him that. He says, I've got no comment, uh, quote, he's not my coach anymore. So uh, maybe things weren't, uh, weren't going so well behind the scenes in St. Louis. Uh, Barube was uh, fired following a 6-4 loss to the Red Wings on Tuesday. Uh, of course, he was their coach for that 2019 Stanley Cup championship in St. Louis. It's now Drew Bannister running the Blues bench on an interim basis. Uh, Cairo and a number of younger Blues players played under Bannister uh, with their AHL affiliate in San Antonio for a couple of seasons. So we'll see if uh, this, again, this coaching change is going to change anything for the St. Louis Blues, who uh, have been off to a pretty disappointing start this season Uh, They're transitioning to some of their younger players, but in the meantime, still a team up against the salary cap that isn't doing as well as maybe uh, they're clearly not as well as their GM thought they'd be doing either. Uh, Jeff Skinner placed on injured reserve today by the Buffalo Sabres. That's bad news for a team already dealing with some big injuries. He left a 5-1 loss to the Colorado Avalanche on Wednesday after a hit from Nathan McKinnon. Uh, He's tied for their team lead in goals with 12, and he's second in points with 22. He's set to miss at least three games for the Sabres. He'll be eligible to return on the 21st when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And again, uh, ahead of tonight's game for Calgary, uh, Jared Spurgeon. He is out. He's day-to-day with a lower body injury, and uh, Jonas Brodine is week-to-week with an upper body injury that he sustained in a game against the Oilers December 8th. So two major uh, injuries on the Minnesota blue line should help even things out for the Calgary Flames who are already going to be without Chris Tanev for tonight's matchup. We will take a break, come back on the other side. We're going to close out the program on this Thursday. More on the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. It's a game day. Flames warm up at 5 with Pat. Derek and Megan on the call at 6. All of it right here on your home of the Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The holiday season approaching, and that means another edition of the World Junior Hockey Championship. Team Canada announcing their initial rosters yesterday. Still one forward spot to be decided. Perhaps there's a youngster currently on an NHL club that will join Team Canada over in Sweden, or perhaps they'll go through their list of cuts and bring somebody back. But for now, the initial list is set. Lots of talent on this Canada team, including a potential first overall selection in the coming years in Macklin Celebrini. Of course, as the holidays come around and the NHL takes a slight break, lots of us will be focused in on Team Canada and their hopefuls for gold. Once again, one of the greats on Sportsnet who uh, watches junior hockey as much as anybody and loves this event uh, is Sam Cosentino. Uh, He, of course, spent some time at the camp for Team Canada. Knows these youngsters well, and uh, he joined Matt Rose and George Russick on the Big Show a little bit earlier today to break down his initial thoughts of this Canada roster and some expectations for them heading into the tournament. Uh, The guy start off the conversation with Sammy, uh, just what he saw from camp for Team Canada.
3: Okay, so I went to the first day, and I was at the game yesterday, and Macklin Celebrini is le <laughs> <God. laughs> that,
4: okay. That's
3: my biggest takeaway. Like, he, he walked in there and, you know, as one of the younger guys and no doubt feeling the pressure of, A, trying to make that team as an underage player, which is difficult, but then pretty quickly thrust into a role in the games against U-sports. Uh, national team there and you're like oh okay uh try the wing yeah it worked out pretty good oh wings pretty good oh try center oh okay pretty good so just ridiculously impressed with his play and it's not just uh hey he's making great offensive plays which he does Little things like backtracking, and getting a stick in a lane to, you know, or, or guide a player into an area where he can uh, get support defensively. Like a lot of really good subtleties to his game, and not to mention like going to the corner with a 24-year-old guy who's trying to make his name in front of NHL scouts. He he, he did everything over the course of what I saw, and that was my biggest takeaway: just how impressive he was. I would say, guys, by the time the tournament starts, and he may even start this way. He's going to be Canada's number one center. He's that good. he's he's awesome.
5: Seventeen years old, are we talking about like a top player for Canada at the end of the tournament? Top player for the tournament overall? Like what how are you kind of projecting what we could see from him at this tournament, given that he would have another year at least of eligibility if he wants to come back?
3: I think he can be the top player for Canada. in the tournament, I think that's a little bit more. Uh, of an aggressive uh, expectation. And, and the reason I say that is because when I look at this Team Canada, it, it's going to have a little bit of a different complexion to it. It's going to be a team that's going to grind out wins. It's going to be a team that, you know, scores enough goals to win games, probably, you know, extend um, the margin of victory against some of the weaker teams. But in a heavy competition team that's, you know, going to be that relentless NHL Stanley Cup style of team, where you're rolling with four lines that you hope is going to grind down the opposition and have enough skill in the higher part of the lineup to be able to get you through. So, because they're going to play that way, I, it's not going to be the kind of the wide open wild west like we saw with uh, Bedard and Fantilli and Wright and that in that group from last year. So that's why I would say my expectation for him to you know to be a tournament leader is, is probably aggressive, but to lead Team Canada, I think that's very much within reach for this guy.
4: Um, Sammy, we know always when it comes to Canada, the expectation is to win gold. Is it easier for the guys on Team Canada specifically when maybe the tournament isn't played here and it's played somewhere else like it is in Sweden this year?
2: Yeah, th- there
3: is that. I mean, the biggest part is is, is making sure you're managed to, managing the kids on their phones because as wide a gap as that is and the media coverage isn't going to be the same, the social media pressures are going to be there. And listen, you can't take 18 year old kids and completely take their phones away. That, that probably just doesn't work anymore. These days, you have to give it to them, limit, limit them to it and be mindful of, Hey guys, don't be, don't be looking at stuff. Don't be looking at stuff. It's kind of like our business, right? Mm. You're asking for trouble. If you go look on social media, you're asking for trouble. That Cosentino's an idiot. He has no idea what he's talking about. Mm. You're just asking for trouble. So in, in, that case there are those pressures and for that age those pressures can be more than what traditional media has to offer uh having said that they're going to feel it it won't be to the same extent but it'll be present
5: who else do you expect to be in this top six putting up the points for team canada apart from celebrini
3: oh man that's uh you know that's really interesting to think how that is all going to play out i mean matthew Wood looked really good but again, even though he's a late birthday, still a, a younger guy, um, you know, looking at the back end, Tanner Molendike, I wasn't particularly impressed with his game yesterday, but I think from an offensive standpoint, he's a guy that they're probably going to lean on uh, a little bit on the back end. And looking at their forward group, honestly, I think because there are a lot of similar type players. This is going to be the the kind of thing that works itself out through the three exhibition games. I think everyone's going to be given a really good opportunity to play uh, in different spots. You know, the Braden Jaggers of the world, those type of guys, Um, you know, Nate Danielson, does he lean more towards open? These are a lot of guys who I think can play a variety of roles. And while they are leading scorers in their teams, this, they're just going to be asked to do a little bit something different in this group. So, I think that that's something that's going to play itself out. I mean, I put Celebrini squarely in that in that top role right now. But after that, I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a crapshoot in terms of how it's going to play out throughout the course of the exhibition games.
5: And on the blue line, who are going to be the minute munchers? There's a couple of dub players, Denton Mataychuk and Tanner Mullenkamp, who are both headed to join the club in Sweden. Uh, just a thought on who might be eating all the minutes up for this group.
3: Well, Matejczyk, for sure. I mean, he's he's just such a mature guy and one of those guys that, uh, you know, I think you can rely on in any situation. The, the interesting guy for me is going to be Tristan Luno uh, out of the Quebec Major Junior League. Noel Warren is another one. Uh, both of those guys are Anaheim picks. I think Warren is going to be a minute eater in terms of matchups uh, and I think Luno might be the minutes eater in terms of giving you a little bit more of the offensive side of things, kind of like what we just talked about with with Tanner Molendijk. But seven games in, in the National Hockey League already this year, his body type from his draft year to now has drastically changed. Like I was impressed when I saw him; he looked like a like a young man as opposed to a little boy when he was drafted. So he'll he'll be a guy that I think gets leaned on pretty heavily.
2: How do you
5: think Maverick Lamoureux's parents celebrated him making the team? <laughs>
3: A little tongue action, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> tonsil hockey? Thank Is you, it Samuel? tonsil hockey? <laughs> I, I, I was so happy. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He he's an awesome kid, man. I, I love that guy. He's just kind of this big, tall kid. He's got a smile on his face all the time. Uh, really, really cool stuff. And you know, I think it's three uh, QMJHL defense, and that hasn't happened I, on on a team Canada at the World Juniors since the nineties so really happy uh for that guy and obviously his parents are are probably pretty happy too and uh not
4: afraid to show it yeah and, and Sammy who doesn't uh forget uh Jesperi Kokaniemi's mom when he got drafted too that was the one that everyone remembers too oh yeah i actually i don't remember that one Oh, i do hmm. i definitely Cock do when the habs took him so high and i like oh there's Kokaniemi's mm-hmm. mom really excited uh when he was huh. drafted uh, if, you don't, if you don't know what we're talking about, don't worry about it. You'll look for their draft videos. Yep. There you go. It's it's you'll know simple. what I mean. You'll know what I mean, The Sammy. Maverick,
5: Maverick Lameru one is incredible. Yeah. I still have the audio saved
4: somewhere from it. It's very good. Um,
3: okay, you, hang on. Were you, are you talking about the um, the elder lady who was pissed?
4: No, I'm talking the way she was uh, sitting uh, when okay. we got drafted. All right. Well, well, okay. We're, yep. we're talking about uh, yeah, uh, My because, uh, right. producer, Patrick, just showed me the photo. I'm like, that's the one. Okay. There was one All cut right. from the
5: WHL. Uh, his name's Jager Ferkus. Uh, were you surprised he got cut? Was they trying to pull this thing out of the ditch?
3: Yes, uh a little a little bit for sure. He's had an unbelievable year. His game has progressed. He's really confident in his ability to shoot the puck, and I think a team that you might wonder about its collective ability to score. That's one thing that he does really well. Having said that, again, you know, this Riley Height at the time of the selection camp, and maybe still right now, was leading the Western Hockey League in scoring. Never even got a sniff to go to camp. Andrew Crystal, who's an absolute beast of a player, really creative, gifted guy, wasn't even invited to the camp. So it's, it's more than being a one-trick pony, and I think Furx's game has, came, has come along in that regard, but not probably to the point where it fits in with this group yet he should be a guy, though, that we'd be looking uh, looking for for next year.
5: I wanted to ask you about Fraser Minton as well, Uh, a guy who surprised a lot of people at Leafs training camp. Um, I know there's some people here in in Flamesland who are intrigued by the player Mm -hmm. as as a trade kind of candidate, perhaps. Uh, What have you seen from Mm -hmm. Fraser Minton?
3: Just uh, a ridiculously mature guy. And it's funny because uh, Sean Cluston is one of the assistant coaches had him in Kamloops up until he uh, dealt him to uh, to Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when he returned from Toronto, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm so happy for this guy because he's a great example to people um, everywhere that are thinking about being drafted." Because he's never given the huge power play minutes. He just went about his business the right way. He was always on the right side of the puck, defensively responsible, chipped in offensively when he had the opportunity. But that wasn't his mainstay, and that wasn't his calling card. And I think that's really cool to think about uh, those type of players who get so focused a lot of times in their draft year on putting up points, and being a power play guy and all those things. He wasn't any of those, yet he was one of the first guys from his class to to get into NHL games. So, again, really impressed with his ability. And he kind of is the epitome of the identity of what this club is all about. Maybe a little bit of a lower name, not the household name, not the flash and dash type of guy, but a really responsible guy. So, Uh, that, you know, the the games of uh, NHL experience he had with Toronto will definitely serve him well here moving forward.
5: Uh, And a flames note, one player that is going to the World Juniors, I don't believe it's been uh, officially announced yet, but I'd be very surprised if Sam Honzik isn't on Team Slovakia in a Mm -hmm. large role. Um, What do you expect to see from him this year at the World Juniors as a guy who missed a lot of time early on uh, in the dub where he plays with the Vancouver Giants?
3: Yeah, and a guy who was, was named captain of the Giants, and I think that's a that's a pretty prestigious honour for a European player to, to come over and to have that placed upon him in the CHL. It's, it's, it's rare that that happens. Uh, but again, I think he's a kid who's really self-aware. He knows what his strengths are. He knows what he has to do. I think any role that's defined for him, he's happy to play that role and be successful in playing that role. But my expectation for him to be a guy who's going to be probably in, the, in a top six role for his country and a guy who I think is probably going to produce in that role as well.
4: Sammy, I want to get your opinion on uh Yegor Sharon who's, who's had a, a nice little uh, bounce back to the, the slow start. He had to the season. He's scoring a lot of goals. Is this something flames fans should be super optimistic about a player that maybe he can find that game. He had a couple years ago with the devils, or is it a case where somebody needs to score on maybe not the best, Hockey team. Somebody has to produce somewhere. Where are you at with Yegor Sharangovich? Because I'm not sure where I'm at right now with him.
3: Yeah, I think I'm probably d- down the middle of the road with this guy. And I think if you you know look a little bit further to the West and you think about Michael had 39 goals last year and still is a mainstay in the power play, but has obviously had some difficulties regaining that consistent touch, I'd say Sharangovich is, is right in that category. I don't think he is quite the 39-goal guy, but I think with his skill set, regardless of who he's playing with is a guy that should give you 20 on a, on a regular basis. And so again, it's all about finding that consistency and that's why players like him tend to bounce around a little bit because there are times when you're looking at him and you're saying, Oh my gosh, like, how is this guy not a a 40 goal scorer in the league? And there are other times when you're, when you're looking, you're saying, ah, you know, how effective was this guy really tonight? And, And he might go two or three games that way. And then he might score, you know, in three of the next four and you're like, it provides a little bit of, of, of confusion, but listen, it's a really difficult league to score in. The Western Conference is crazy just, just how, uh, how much parity there is and how good it is beyond the top two or three teams and what's going to be happening when we get down to those uh, you know, those wild card scenarios. So again, I, I think for, for Calgary, he's a guy that they need to have score for them. He can do it. I'd like to just see him do it a little more consistently.
4: Uh, how excited should Flames hands be about Conor Zeri? Super excited.
3: Super excited, A, for his personality, for the fact that he injects uh, happiness and energy into the lineup. His immediate um, impact, I think, was best seen with how Nazem Kadri was playing upon his arrival. I think he ignited Naz to, to the point where, uh, Nas almost accepted the point of hey let me you know let me be the guy who takes you under my wing and show you how this thing works. But from uh, a Smart's perspective, I would challenge some of your listeners to just if you get the opportunity. It's a little bit tough on TV, but when he gets on the ice, just watch where he goes and what he does. And a lot of times, his play without the puck will really impress you. Like, hey, why are you going over there? Or hey, why is he dropping back into this position? Or, you know, what's he doing taking that route or that lane? Or why is he cutting that guy? That, that's what's uh, impressed me most about it. just his smarts and his intelligence and his ability to adapt right away to the National Hockey League. And listen, this is part of the reason why Ryan Huska was brought in to coach, to get the most out of guys like that and to give guys like that an opportunity that they might not have otherwise had.
5: Sammy, did you see the one-day rebrand the Prince Albert Raiders are going to do in January?
3: You know what? I haven't. I haven't. What's it look like? Talk to me.
5: The Prince Albert Cobra Chickens. And their logo is a Canadian goose wearing skates because, yes, that is what we (laughs) call them here in Alberta. And I guess Saskatchewan (laughs) Cobra Chickens are Canadian geese.
3: Well, you know what? That's uh, great fodder for a little bit later today. When I start to do my hockey research, I'm going to check out the Cobra chickens of PA. Yes, is, that, it, It's awesome. The Arthauser Center, I love going there. Uh, it's an absolute blast. We were there in 2018. They had the milk cartons out there three deep. They told the, they told the fire chief to go to sleep for a couple of, couple of weeks and while, they, while they finished up in the playoffs. So um, usually they're they're pretty bang on with what they do. It'll probably end up being a hit and I'm going to check it out when I get back home.
1: There you go. Sportsnet, sportsnet sportsnet.ca's Sam Cosentino, everything you need to know uh, for team Canada, who announced their initial roster for the world junior hockey championships. Sammy uh, on Twitter. Of course, if you want more, you want more of that conversation, check it out on the big show podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Of course, we're focused in On the Flames and the Minnesota Wild tonight, last chance for the Calgary Flames to pick up a win on this road trip. Good efforts in Vegas, good efforts in Colorado, but just not enough to pick up a win. They've had third-period leads that have disappeared. Need to find a way to come home with two points tonight. you got two tough opponents coming in on a coup game homestand for the Flames. you got Tampa Bay on Saturday, and then Matthew Kachuk and the Florida Panthers are in town on Monday, so the Flames not a lot of time to rest up and get ready for that homestand, but they're going to need a win tonight against Minnesota. No confirmed starter yet for the Calgary Flames, so it might be Dan Vladar, might be Dustin Wolf find out during Flames warm-up with Pat it gets going at 5 o'clock tonight hit the ice around 5.30 for warm-up on the ice, and then puck drop at 6 with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan, i telling you, Chris Tanev uh, returned to Calgary uh, from Las Vegas. He's still dealing with that upper body injury, so obviously he won't be available for the Flames tonight. Good news on the other side for the Flames is that Minnesota's going to be without a couple of their key defenders as well. Jared Spurgeon, he's out day-to-day with a lower body injury uh, as well as Jonas Brodine. He's week-to-week with an upper body injury. He suffered that uh, in a fourth 3 loss when they visited Edmonton back on December 8th, so Two key members of the Minnesota Wild who will not be in action tonight for them. That's uh, good news for the Calgary Flames. Other NHL news today, Jeff Skinner placed on injured reserve for the Buffalo Sabres. He is their uh, leading goal scorer and second in points with 22 on the season. Again, no word on on lines or deep pairings for tonight's game. Uh, We heard from a couple members of the Calgary Flames, and that's where we'll check in. Once again, right now on a game day, we'll hear from the head coach. Uh, Ryan Huska his thoughts ahead of this one uh, also lots on uh, Mackenzie Wieger who's found his scoring touch once again here with the Calgary Flames getting you set for a game day with the Flames head coach
2: Mike I started asking just both playing Mackenzie Wieger lately he's one goal away from matching a career high he's on pace for close to 20 he's been doing a lot offensively for you
0: guys yeah he uh, he's been good in that in that area for sure like he's he's got a shot first mentality this year and I think playing his offside again uh, and having Raz feed him pucks, he's, he's thinking a lot about shooting and they're, they're going in for him to start the year. But it's pretty complete too, right? Hits, blocks yeah. as well. Like this seems to be a pretty complete package. Yeah, he's. you can tell he's feeling good about where his game's at, you know, um, and he's one of the guys that we need to be good at both ends of the ice. And I, I think he's found a way to be he's pretty consistent with his effort. Um, and anytime, you know, defense or forwards or wherever it is, they, they score, they feel pretty good about themselves. So um, he, he's really focused on making sure he's bringing the best version of himself every night, which is great to see. Not that you needed to, but did you challenge him in any way or did he kind of challenge himself to ty- try and take another step? Yeah, he's been this way from the beginning of the year, you know, and I, I think early in the year, um, maybe not quite as good because we are trying to find pairs and partners that fit together. So yeah, he was playing with a few different people along the way. So we he's been consistent with Raz over the last little while and um, playing well. We've got some changes that are coming in because of some injuries that we've had and he's getting bounced around a little bit again but he's still maintaining that shot mentality even though he's back on his his left side or his right side normally speaking of shots there's a pretty big jump for a guy like um Jonathan Huberto who is averaging three or more shots I just wonder what you encourage him to do or how you and I know it's an old storyline about you need to shoot more but he has a lot more success when he is this are you seeing any more progression he uh, he thinks about all the time. Like we, you have discussions with him. He's, it's it's so ingrained in him that he's a pass first guy. But um, he also knows that he's got a good shot and he can score. And we've seen examples of that in in the past. And he wants to be um, a shot threat. So his biggest thing is making the right decision as to when am I a passer, when am I a shooter. And um, when he's at his very best, those decisions come really naturally and easy for him, for sure. You mentioned injuries. Chris Tinev, we saw our report that he is back home in Calgary. What can you tell us about his injury? He's, uh, like we mentioned before, he's off for body injury and he's a day-to-day guy for okay. us. Yeah. Not too long ago, South the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. What can you expect out of this game and what do you guys need to do? I think a lot of the same. Um, they skated and they worked and we weren't ready for that in the first period in Calgary and we have to make sure we're we're uh, much more prepared for that to start the game here today. There
1: you go. Checking in with the head coach, Ryan Huska, on a game day with the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. Wrapping up the show on a Thursday, we had Ednan Verk on a little bit earlier, talking all things Shohei Otani and the fallout for the Jays and the Angels. If you missed any of that, check it out on the podcast. Uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify are your favorite pod catcher. This hour, Big Nizar joined us from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver as they are inducting Roberto Luongo into the Ring of Honor in Vancouver tonight when the Panthers take on the Canucks. We go through some Roberto Luongo, memories with Bic. Uh, should be a good game today, too, between Florida and Vancouver. My outstanding producers have been Cam and Taylor. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. If you send us a text, thank you very much. We'll be back for a Friday edition. We'll uh, have some Thursday night football reactions to the Chargers and the Raiders tonight at 6.15. We'll have Matt Marchese along with us to go through uh, all the NFL storylines ahead of a busy Week fifteen in the NFL, and of course, we'll react to the Minnesota Wild and the Calgary Flames. And an early start means uh, an early start to Flames talk. Steinberg and Gilbertson are standing by. They've got you for the next two hours this afternoon, getting you set with everything you need to know ahead of tonight's matchup. Of course, they'll have Derek Wills on the daily Flames roundtable as well. So, lots to get excited about as another edition of Flames Talk comes your way, and then Steinberg. We'll have Flames pregame at 5. Derek and Megan on the call at 6. The final of a three-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. They picked up one point so far in that OT loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Can they squeak out a victory tonight in Minnesota? They've been very good in Minnesota over the last number of years, but they'll need to uh, step it up a notch before tonight's matchup without Chris Tanev. Once again, again, no starting goaltender confirmed for the Flames. Maybe Dustin Wolf, maybe Dan Vladar. We do know that Jacob Markstrom is uh, very close to returning. He's been at practice with the Calgary Wranglers the last couple of days, and maybe we see him back in action Saturday back at the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Enjoy the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place to break it all down on a Friday here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.